0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, it is a great joy to introduce today's speaker to you all. Um, Brady Boyd is a friend and is the senior pastor of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. And um, it's wonderful, he's here today with his daughter Callie, um, who's just graduated from college and is on an amazing adventure. This is her first time in Europe, um, which is where we are, if anyone has any doubts about that. We we are not our own continent, we are still part of Europe. Um, And... Um, is on, they're on their way to Zambia, to Africa, this afternoon. So it's, you know, that's a, I'm allowed to say hell of a trip. I'm not, am I? Heaven of a trip. (laughs) Christians, you people. So um, Brady, uh, alongside Roger Ellis, who's here on the front row, um, has just uh, become one of the overseers of Emmaus Road Church. So the person you're about to listen to, uh, he's got a phenomenal message, but actually he's someone who carries authority for us as a church. And we asked him if he would help us in that way because as we were looking around at churches that that, that were sort of further on down the road than us and bigger than us and whatever, we would, you know, to be honest, there were quite a few we thought, we don't want to grow up and become that. (laughs) And then we... We, we, we've been tracking with New Life Church in Colorado for many years, and they are just a beautiful church. They're very like us. They have prayer right at the center, as you're going to hear uh, today. They have the World Prayer Center there on their campus in Colorado Springs, uh, but they also are multi-congregational They like that model and each of their congregations feels different but the same. And uh, that's definitely true with us, with Woking and Guildford and Aldershot and so on. And um, they're also, although they're a very large church, many thousands of members, they are very, very community uh, and relationship focused and uh, wonderfully, refreshingly non-religious as you've just heard from their intergalactic senior worship pastor. Um, and uh, so, so we, we really value these guys. And whenever they have any spare cash, they just pour it into the poor and the marginalized. And so at, at every level, it's like tick, tick, tick. So we, we are just so honored. And, and Brady is someone who could be speaking into hundreds of churches. He does speak in many churches, but we're just so honored that he would uh, do that for us here. Uh, he's written loads of books. Uh, this one is about uh, women in leadership, why women can blooming well lead. And um, yeah, I I know you guys, it's like a soft touch. But uh, so this is, and and also it's it's quite, that looks like a fairly quick book to read, which I always like that. So who who would, it's called Let Her Lead. Who who would like a copy of that? There we go, Patty. (laughs) This book, now I'm going to have to be careful throwing this one because it's a hardback. Um, it's the way she would have wanted to have died. No, she's okay. <laughs> this, uh, this book is about uh, generosity uh, in every area of your life, not just with money, but in everything that you're about. Who here has been sensing God speaking to them about generosity recently, about just pouring out your life? <laughs> Literally, literally, no one. I think there's someone right at the back there. That's great. You're so welcome here. I'm not going to throw that for obvious reasons. I'm going to place it here and um, do come and grab that at the end. So uh, please put your hands together and welcome my friend Brady Boyd. All right. Thank you, Doug Pete. That explains why the book
1: didn't sell very well, right? <laughs> Nobody's thinking about that. <laughs> so good to be with you. It's good to be in the UK. I love Dr. Pete. He comes, he comes all the time. I don't know if he y'all let him come over to the U.S. He's a huge blessing to our church. Uh, I'm trying to remember how long we've known each other. It's been 57, years. F- 57 our entire lives, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, over a decade of friendship. And you know, it takes a long time to become old friends. And I'm I've, I've learning as I'm getting older. To cherish those friendships, the friendships that the Lord brings into your life that span decades, and that is the friendship I have. I love your church. I love the influence that you have. I don't know if you know this or not, but you have influence uh, around the world, not just here in Guilford, but across the UK, across the world, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for shining the light of Jesus so faithfully. Thank you for being godly. Thank you for being generous. <laughs> and, uh, and thank you for who you are. And uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be in the pulpit today. And it's with Pastor John. We've been beside each other for 16 years. He is uh, just one of my best friends on the planet. Love him so much. I'm glad you got to hear from him. And my daughter Callie is with me, 22 years old, right? just graduated university. She was the top student in her class. And some dad, so dad's very proud of her. And um, my, my son Abram graduated university last year. And they are both out of the house. And listen, my, listen, all the young couples in the room where you have small ones, this too shall pass. <laughs> they will not always be this expensive, I can, I can promise you. And uh, so my, her, her mom and I are empty nesters, which is the American term, right? Empty nesters, and um, we like it. I did, not, I, did not, I did not cry one tear when they moved away. <laughs> and they moved like five minutes away, though. So they're over at the house all the time. They're usually around dinner time. They're always like, showing up mysteriously. They know when food is at the house. So good to be with you. Know, I've been married to my wife for 34 years, right? <laughs> That's a good thing. I still like her. She still likes me. Uh, We got married when we were 12, and we were in the seventh grade. (laughs) No one thought that we would last through middle school, but we showed them, and we made that marriage work. Thirty-four years later, we have three cats, which is the reason I'm here is because I really needed a break. I just needed a break, (laughs) and I needed to go to Europe to get away from three cats. But uh, it's good to be here. All right, you ready? Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John, go to the end of your Bible. Uh, go to this, it gets real scary at the end. Take a left, go back to 1 John, first 5. 1 John 5, and I'm going to talk to you today about the, this is, I really prayed over this message and I was surprised by the topic. I'm talking to you about prayer. And I, I said to the Lord, I said, I'm, you want me to speak on prayer to Pete Gregg's church, I was like, that's like, you know, you know, that's like preaching on weightlifting and fashion at Stephen Furtick's church. I mean, I just don't, I don't get that. Why am I? All right, that, that, the, that joke worked a lot better in Woking, by the way. They were much <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. Okay, it's 1 John 5. Let's read this passage together. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know. That you have eternal life. Can we just stop just for a moment? I know we read these scriptures, but you know what John's saying here? John's writing to a church that is under tremendous persecution. You cannot imagine how afraid and aggravated and hurt these people were when they received this letter. In fact, the church was being fractured by heresy and by dissension anger. People's feelings were being hurt. They were leaving for the weirdest of reasons. I mean, none of that's happening in the church today, right? It's just, this is the total foreign thought to us, but this is what John was addressing. And the first thing John says to them before he talks about prayer, he says to them, let me remind you that you've been born again. Can we just stop for a moment? And say thanks for that. There, most of you in the room, I'm assuming, have found Jesus. Some of you are here today seeking Jesus. Maybe you're here today because you're curious about Jesus. But for many of us in the room, we were lost in the darkness and we found his light. We were really, really lost. And, and before we were looking for him, he came looking for us. If, if, that, if that's true about you today, can you just say aloud amen with me? Amen. And that, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. You need to remind yourself daily. I have been born again. The old person is gone and the new person is being formed and I am grateful that he found me. Amen. So that's what John is saying to him. And he says, he says, he says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, We know that we have what we ask of him. Can we just take this before the Lord? We're talking about prayer today, so let's pray before we hear this. Father, we thank you today for the continuously articulate scriptures. These passages are alive. They're active. They're sharper than a double-edged sword. They're able to discern our thoughts. Lord, they're able to do holy work in hidden places. And we're giving you permission today to challenge us, to shape us, to change us to convict us, to do whatever you wish today. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you're okay with any of that, will you say amen with me? Amen. Amen. I know you know this, but let me remind you that Jesus talked about prayer about 42 times that we can see throughout the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in his day-to-day conversations with his followers, 42 different times, Jesus talked about prayer 28 times. We hear Jesus praying So let me just help you understand this. I need to be reminded of this, that God's Son, the holy man God, fully God, fully human, in his time on the earth, Jesus prayed. If Jesus showed this kind of attention and this kind of devotion to prayer, I believe we today in 2023, as God's children, as followers of Jesus, people who have Known the love of the Father, been found by Jesus, and filled with the Spirit, we should be known as a people of prayer. In fact, I believe today the world, more than any time in my lifetime, we do not need an angry church, we need a praying church. The the world is waiting for someone to offer them the answer to the confusion that they're seeing, and I believe it is an appointed time for churches right now to pray their way in, to a place of, of, of just understanding and wisdom about what the world is doing. So I love what John Wesley says. John's, he says, God does nothing on the earth save in believing prayer. Unless someone prays, God can't move. So I want you to hear this today. I want you to write this down if you're taking note. God wants you to pray. Every one of you. Not just, not just Pastor Pete. Not just Pastor Sammy. Not just the leaders of the church and the elders of the church. God needs you to pray. God wants you to pray. And listen, what ha- what happens? What is the What's the number one reason that people don't pray? Let me show this to you. Here's the first thing I want to share. Is that God wants us to come near. But there's a reason why most people shrink back and lead prayerless lives. The number one reason that people fail to pray, is a sense of shame and guilt and embarrassment about the human condition they're living in. Now, I want you to think about the very first story in the Bible. Adam and Eve, paradise, dominion, all authority, a sinless existence. Suddenly, the serpent comes in, deceives. They commit the original sin, and the first behavior, the first response from Adam and Eve after sin is to sh- hide, to shrink back, to cover up. Jesus comes down to the earth to walk with him in the cool of the morning, and he finds them hiding, receding, retreating from the presence of the Lord. Listen, it's the same trick he's playing on all of us today. I, I love in-, in Revelation 3, at the end of Revelation 3, in the letter to the Laodiceans, he says, Behold, I stand at your door and knock. And if anyone hears me and opens the door, I will come in and be there with them. What is he saying? He says, listen, God is very accustomed to coming into messy houses. Some of you, and I just sensed this as we were driving in today. I was driving toward the building today, and the Lord wanted me to remind you that he wants you to come near to him. He wanted me to remind you today that he has done all he can do to come as close to you as possible. God cannot come any closer to you than he is right now. His ascension, I mean, his incarnation, his, 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 his resurrection, his ascension, Has opened the door for him to be as close to the human race as he possibly can become. God is near to you. And this is, look, the book of James says if we come near to him, he will come near to us. Emmaus Road, look, can I just remind you this morning? I've come across the pond to remind you of something. God wants your prayers, God needs your prayers. You can come close to God. God's not embarrassed about you. He's not running from you. He's not hiding from you. He is near to you. And here's the second thing. Prayer is asking. Prayer is speaking. Prayer is asking. In verse 14, it says, if we ask, if we ask. I was with a guy the other day, and he was an older guy, real sweet guy. I love him to death. And he heard, this, he heard this message about prayer, and he said, Pastor Brady, I love all you charismatics. I love being here with you. I love hearing you, you pray out loud. I love, I love how excited you are about Jesus, but I'm a, I pray in private. I said, I don't mind you praying in private. In fact, I would encourage you to keep praying in private. I said, but you can't pray in silence. Because the Bible gives us this beautiful opportunity and invitation to lift our voice. It said, listen, you don't have to yell. You don't have to to be loud. But you have to say something. Listen, life and death is in the power of our tongue, our words. And he said, listen, we have to say it. We have to declare it. Listen to Matthew chapter 7. and, And he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And I love this next phrase for everyone. This is a promise to all of us in the room. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks will find, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Listen to those three active verbs ask and seek and knock. This morning I asked, I said, Father in heaven, I'm asking you to be present. I'm asking you to be powerfully present in this morning as we gather. I am seeking your presence. I am seeking your will. I am seeking for hearts and lives to be changed. And I am knocking at the door. I'm asking, Lord, that people whose doors have been closed, people whose lives have been sheltered from God, people who have been running from God would run toward God today. This morning I ask... I was seeking, and I was knocking on your behalf, and I said it out loud. I was speaking it out loud. Listen, lift your voice right now. If, you, if, this, this is, if your marriage is a mess, speak life over your marriage. If your children have gone astray, speak over your children. If your body is, 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 is sick, speak health over your body. Speak it out. Here's what happens when you start doing this. Prayer puts us on offense, so many Christians are living on the back of their heels right now. They're reacting to the world. And prayer puts us back on offense. Prayer puts that puts us back in, in the place of power. Father in heaven, I know I know what I see is happening. I I see what's happening in France right now. I see the confusion in France right now. I see the discord happening on the streets of our neighboring country. But Father, I speak peace over that. I pray that men and women of wisdom would rise up and take control of that situation. I pray for calm to descend upon those streets. I speak life over law enforcement agencies right now that are trying to do the best they can to bring calm and order. I pray for those who feel disaffected by police that their hearts would be healed. I pray for peace Makers to rule the land right now. We have to ask. We have to seek. We have to knock. Prayer puts us on offense. Instead of watching the news and reacting to the news, prayer gives us a position of power to actually influence the news. Listen, I believe the church has the ability to influence what you're seeing. Prayer has the ability to change things, To convert things. Can somebody say amen to me if you believe this this morning? Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. And listen to what he said. Here's the next thing. He says, knowing God's will means knowing God's ways. So John, in the middle of this explanation, gives us something super important. He says, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. In other words, here, here's another way of saying this. We pray better prayers when we know God's nature. Listen, my kids know when to ask me for things and when not to ask me for things. And they learned it like when they were two years old. Like, see, your kids are so clever. Your, 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 your kids are behavioral geniuses. They know that there's a moment that they could ask dad for anything, and it's going to be given right? Usually after a hug, after something. It's very manipulative, okay? (laughs) Now, the reason Callie knows that there are things that she can ask of me and things that she cannot ask of me is because why? She knows my nature. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know the God you're asking? Do you know what God does and what God will not do? God's not going to curse your enemies, but he he actually will bless your enemies. He will change your enemies. He will do holy work in your enemies' lives. We're asking things from God that he's not going to do because it's not in his nature. It's not in his will. So, in fact, when Jesus was teaching his people to pray, he says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is, what? In heaven. In heaven. So here, here's the way I want you to think about prayer from now on. So many of us waste so much time in prayer saying, Father in heaven, I love you. I think you love me. Now I, need, I have a list of things I need you to do for me today. Do this, do this, hurt that person, bless that person, change that, don't change that, open that door, shut that door. So we get this list of things that we ask God to do. And about 80 to 90% of the Christ followers that I'm around have a, a to-do list for God. And listen, no husband in the room likes to wake up every morning with a to-do list waiting on him, right? The list of things that you need to do today around the house. And can you imagine God waking up every morning? He has about 8 billion sticky notes stuck on his window. I need you to do this today. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And then you can enjoy the rest of your day after you do my list. That's not how Jesus taught his followers to pray. Here's the question I want you to remember the question that you should start every prayer, the first question you should ask in your prayer life is, Lord, what are you doing on the earth right now? What are you doing in the world where you have placed me? The work that you've assigned to me, the office where I am working, the street where I am living, the apartment that I'm in, the home that I share... My realm of influence that you've placed me in. What are you up to right now? And how can I help? This, listen, this would radically change the way we pray. Father in heaven, I don't see everything that you see. I don't know everything that you know. Your, your, you, your ways are greater than my ways. Your wisdom is more than mine. Father in heaven, you are God and I am not. So Lord, what are you up to right now? Instead of speaking curses over France, Father in heaven, what's going on in France right now? I've been following this since I've been here. Father and I asked that question yesterday, Father in heaven, what in the world is going on? Would you help me understand what is happening? Because it looks a lot like what was happening in the U.S. just a few years ago. And we were asking these same questions in the U.S. Father in heaven, what's causing people to respond this way? Instead of cursing it and denying it and demonizing it, ask the Lord to understand it. Father in heaven, you've called me into the planet. You've called me into this realm. I am now a peacemaker. I follow the prince of peace. Father, you said if any of us lack wisdom, we should ask for it. I don't have the wisdom to solve this problem, but you do. Father in heaven, would you grant me wisdom from above? Show me what my role is in this problem. Listen, I can't solve all the world's problems, but I can solve all the problems of my world. Listen very carefully. I cannot solve the problems of the world, but I can solve the problems of my world, the place where he's put me, the assignment that he's given me. This is where I am right now. I am in Colorado Springs. I pastor a church. I live on Promontory Peak. I'm in that neighborhood. Those are my friends. Those are my children. That is my wife. Those are my three cats. I have authority. And Lord, I ask in the realm of influence that you've given me, what are you doing? What are you doing in my marriage? And how can I cooperate? Stop praying for your spouse to be changed and ask the Lord, Father in heaven, I know you're doing work in him. I can't see it. There's no evidence that anything's happening. (laughs) If you're doing something in him, you have hidden that evidence very, very well. There's no proof that you even know him. But I'm asking, oh, Lord, help me. What are you doing in in the the holy hidden places of his life? There's no evidence that my boss even knows there's a God. But, Father in heaven, you've put me in this work. You've put me in this school. What are you doing? What are you doing in my children right now before I kill them? Lord, I'm about to create, a, commit a felony in my home. So, Father, before I commit a felony, would you help me love my children? What are you doing in the lives of my children? How can I tame this three-year-old in Jesus' name? Somebody say amen. You need help. You try, if you don't think you need God, try raising a three-year-old. You will need God. <laughs> I thought I'd get more amens. Maybe you are more well-behaved around here. <laughs> what are you doing? Here, here's here's the, probably the most powerful prayer. Father in heaven, what are you doing in me? Listen, it's easy to demonize and criticize what's happening out there. But when was the last time you said, Father in heaven, I don't even know what you're doing in me. I know you're working in me. I know you're changing me into your image. I know Christ's likeness is the goal. But Father, what are you doing in me? Where can I lend, where can I submit to you today? Where can, I, where can I change today that would be pleasing to you? Father in heaven, I want to cooperate with what you're doing deep into my soul. What are you doing in this city right now? Lord, what do you think I should do? When's the last time you asked the Lord, Father in heaven, What should I do? Where should I go? What should I say? Father in heaven, would you lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake today? Father in heaven, would you be a light for my path, a lamp for my feet? Father in heaven, would you guide me by your spirit today? I am in the palm of your hand, and no power of hell and no scheme of man can take me from the palm of your hand. And because that is true, I come before you today, I ask according to your will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you can pray no other prayer, what I just prayed should be a prayer we pray every single day. And here's the last thing I want you to leave with today. And what I'm about to say is gonna sound so simple, but listen to me, not many people believe this. But God still answers prayers. That's why we should pray. I've had too many prayers answered to stop praying now. I've had way, I've seen too many miracles not to believe in miracles. I've had too many prayers answered to stop praying now. And I believe the enemy has come to some of you and trying to discourage you to stop praying. Prayers work for them, but not for you. They get their prayer answered, but not mine. So you just might as well find something else. And I'm here today to remind you, God has heard every prayer you've ever prayed. He may have not have answered every prayer that you have prayed, but he's heard them, and he's working on your behalf. And I want to share this story with you today because it's a Cali story, but my wife and I were married probably 10 years, and after five or six years of trying to be pregnant, we went to every doctor, went to every test, only to discover that we would never have biological children. I mean, every doctor told us the same thing. We spent every dollar we had, we were... Not very poor. We were poor anyway, yeah, but we spent all our money. Got the same answer. And then one day, out of the blue, a woman that was in my Bible study at church. She was six months pregnant. She called me and she said, "Pastor Brady, I'm I'm pregnant. As you know, um, I'm, I'm six months along. I'm carrying this child. I can't be a I can't be a child a mom to this child, but." Would you and your Pam pray and consider adopting this little boy? And I said, "Yeah, we'll pray about it." Yes, like right away. So, three months later, Abram was born, and we got to bring him home from the hospital. October of 1998. He's 24 years old now. He's his birth father is a nuclear physicist, so he's obviously not my biological child. When you're around him, <laughs> super smart, brilliant scientist. I don't even know what he's talking about when he talks to me, but I smile and nod and act like I know. And we, our hearts were just full. Our hearts were so content. Thank God for answering our prayers and bringing us a child when we were childless. The story of Hannah resonates with us because we were calling on God for a child and the Lord gave us one. And then almost immediately after Abram was born, and this is not an exaggeration, Abram and Callie are about 25 months apart. Almost as soon as Abram was born, I remember going into my living room and it was, all of our furniture was junk. It was either borrowed or stolen. Everything in our house, it was awful. (laughs) It's just junky. And, but there was this one couch where I was just, that was my prayer spot. It was a place where I would meet with the Lord every morning. And this is not an exaggeration. For almost two years, hundreds of times, as I would begin to pray, the Lord would say, pray right now, for a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. Now, I did not know any little girls with red curly hair and blue eyes. In fact, it's like 1% of the population has red hair and blue eyes. And I, I didn't know. I, don't, I didn't have a name. I did not have a reason to pray. I just felt this conviction, this travail almost, this intercession come over me. Pray right now. For a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. And so I did. Father in heaven, I don't know what girl I'm praying for, but Lord, would you protect her and keep her and bless her and surround her? I just prayed whatever I knew. Would you protect her, keep her, give her life, surround her? I would just use those words. And two years later, I got a call from a mutual friend. And she said, my 19-year-old stepdaughter is pregnant. She's due in three weeks. Would you meet us at the mall? This is when people still went to the mall. And I went to the mall. If you don't know what a mall is, Google it. But there was a food court in the middle of the mall. And we went there. And uh, and we walked into the mall in the food court. There was a 19-year-old young woman sitting there with red hair and blue eyes. And she said, I'm pregnant. She was nine months pregnant, so she didn't need to tell us that. But she said, I'm pregnant. (laughs) And I'm due in three weeks. Would you consider taking this child and raising it as your own. I said, well, I'll pray about it, yes. (laughs) And like (laughs) three weeks later, on a Friday night, it was late, and I was watching something on TV. We got a phone call. She's in labor. We rushed to the hospital. A few hours later, Callie was born to us with blue eyes and a bald head. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to wait nervously for like two years until her hair started growing. And suddenly, two years later, I realized who I'd been praying for all along. This 19-year-old mom told us later that she had been considering giving this shot, ending the pregnancy. She had every worldly reason to terminate the pregnancy. And yet, she, says, she this is what she said to me, something just kept me going. I, just, I could not go through with the abortion. I just couldn't do it. I don't know why, she would say. But a year before Callie was ever conceived, a year before she was even an idea, the Lord had called me to pray. Pray right now for a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. Listen, I'm telling you that story not to be sentimental with you. I'm, pray- I'm telling you this story today to inspire you. When you feel prompted to pray, prayers that don't make sense in the now, prayers that may not make sense, But you may not even know why you're praying this, For a year, I did not know why. Two years, I did not know why. And today, here we are. I know why. I know why now that the Lord kept prompting me. And listen, that's what keeps me praying. I could tell you a hundred more stories like this. But I want to leave you with this one. Some of you, I'm just here today to tell you, keep praying. Don't get weary at well-doing. Keep praying. Keep interceding. Because the Lord hears your prayers and the Lord will answer your prayers. Would you stand this morning with me? I want to pray over you and with you, for you. Let's just, would you just turn your hearts toward the Lord today? I think there are some of you that need to pray a bold prayer. It's been a while since you've taken a risk in your prayer life. I want you to pray something bold today. Don't pray something foolish. Pray something that you know is in the Lord's will. You know it because you know God's nature. But maybe you've given up praying that prayer because you've just been discouraged. It hasn't happened. I'm here today to spur you on, to fan the flames of intercession in your heart today. Would you pray one more time? Pray, ask, seek, knock with me today. Press in just one more time. Pray for that prodigal one more time. Pray for your marriage one more time. Pray for your healing one more time. Pray for your city one more time. And Father in heaven, we thank you today that when we call upon the name of the Lord, you hear us and you respond to us. You are with us and you are for us. You're not distant from us. You're a God who is right here right now. If you believe that, would you just lift your hands toward the Lord? If you believe God is right here right now. If you believe that God hears us, that God knows us, God's responding to us. Father, we lift up our hands. And we call upon the name of the Lord. And we're asking you, Lord, according to your will, would you do it? Would you do it one more time? Father, I pray that, Lord, just a, the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed would begin to bubble up in the hearts of the people here. Lord, we don't need people of great faith. We just need people with faith. And people with faith can say to that mountain, move into this ocean and it will be moved. And I'm praying today for that faith to stir in the room Lord's faith to rise up in the people's hearts today. I pray against shame. I pray against discouragement. I pray against, Lord, the the, the idea that you're running away from them. I pray today that their eyes would be open and they would see a Father in heaven running toward them, running with them, running alongside them, pursuing them. Father, we welcome you today. We welcome you today. Come and do what only you can do in ways that only you can do it in the timing that is best for us. And we pray this now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's continue to pray today. Let's worship today.